Good evening, good evening, good evening. God is great and greatly to be praised from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same. We are doing sat we are doing Sunday morning worship on Saturday night. We're having this special service right now because of the pending inclement weather that has been predicted that will uh, impact our Sunday morning worship. So we have persons that are coming into the main sanctuary at this particular time. Uh, we have persons that are joining us online as far as our Zoom congregation, as well as Facebook and YouTube. I want you to do me this favor. If you're watching us this evening on Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, or engaging in our live chat room found on our church website, we want to welcome you to St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and our social media influencers are ready to engage you this evening. So real quick, we want you to share this experience with others. If you're watching on Facebook, share on your personal timeline and tag people you want to invite within the post. If you are watching us on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel and then text this link of the worship service to your personal network. We want to get up to at least 2,000 YouTube subscribers by the summertime. So please share this link with those that you know quite well. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, Click the invite button on your chat window to share this experience with others. Also, we want to know where you're watching us from on this Saturday night. So if you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, or our church website, if you would just put in the location where you're checking us out. And we take wonderful delight, amen, of uh, giving you hearts and stars as far as that is concerned. Reverend Brenda Richardson is going to come. She's going to lead us as far as our worship experience is concerned tonight. Thank you to our ushers. And again, thank you to each and every one of you who are pressing and who have pressed your way to be in this worship tonight. So, uh, Reverend Richardson, would you come? everybody. I said, praise the Lord, everybody. I wonder, is anybody glad you made it to the building today? Stand to your feet. Why don't you stand to your feet? Everybody stand to your feet. What an awesome day. This might be Saturday, but it has occurred to me that God is still the same. We're worshiping the same God that we will worship on tomorrow. So let us just put our hands together and joyfully, joyfully shout to the Lord on high for our space in the building and for our time to worship him because God is good. We sing glory to his name. We make praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praises of your name. Amen. Amen, amen. Let us join the choir as they sing, Holy, Holy, Holy.
reading this evening is Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God's word for God's people, let us pray. Almighty and all wonderful and all powerful God, you are an awesome, awesome God. Lord God Almighty, you, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. God, we pray right now that you will shift the atmosphere, that we will be open to everything that is about to happen, God. I pray that you will bless us mighty in a mighty, mighty way. God, we thank you for even bringing us to this place safely. God, I pray for every family that is represented under the sound of my voice. God, bless them in a mighty, mighty way. God, we thank you for this place called St. Paul. God, that gave us this opportunity to come and worship you and worship you in spirit and in truth. God, everything that we do is all about you. We praise you, God, now even for this opportunity to be in your midst. God, thank you for the gather, those that are gathered, God. We pray that you would get them home safely. And God, we know that we're just going to have a wonderful time praising and glorifying your magnificent name today. God, we thank you for it. We believe it. We're believing you for it. In your name we do pray. Amen. You may have your seats in the building, and we will continue with our worship.
do if you don't mind just giving our God a hallelujah because he deserves the glory and he deserves the honor and he deserves the praise. I know it's cold outside. I know what they're calling for, but there ought to be a fire in the house of the Lord. So can I do a church check right now? How many of y'all are just glad to be in the service, even though it's a Saturday night? Glad to be in the service one more time. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for each and every one of you who is making your way and who have made your way as far as physical space is concerned. And to those that are joining us online, I see our Zoom congregation and I want to wave at you and give you a major shout out. To those that are watching us on Facebook and on YouTube and Vimeo and even listening to us on the phone, good evening. This is Saturday morning on Saturday night. And uh, we want to take wonderful delight in thanking each and every one of you for making the connection, either physically or digitally, as far as this worship space is concerned. And it is something that I don't take for granted, and it is something that uh, the Lord definitely appreciates. Here's what I want to let you all know. This is the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday today. Amen. Today, 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 today is his birthday. And um, we would not be where we are as far as uh, a people, uh, a country, and even a world had not God allowed for a person of his ilk and stature to come our way. And so it's something we don't take for granted. And so this is MLK weekend. And of course, uh, the weather is going to impact what a lot of us had intended to do as far as this weekend celebration is concerned. But I want you to know that if you are a follower of that man, that colored man from Nazareth by the name of Jesus Christ, and you live his creed, you live Dr. King's creed. A lot of folks fail to understand that Dr. King was a Baptist preacher and uh, he was a Baptist pastor and he took his call as far as ministry seriously. And so while many want to say he was a civil rights uh, uh, activist, while that is true, that was basically tangential to the fact that he um, uh, appreciated and preached about the crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ uh, that guided his life. So we, we, we want to thank God for uh, his life, his light, his legacy, and his love. As we move forward, as far as our um, moment of, of observations are concerned, there are several things I want to share with you as we move forward. The first thing I want to let you all know is I got to give a major shout out to our team, our medical team, our usher ministry, our audio video ministry, our staff for being so wonderful in the homegoing service for Reverend Willis Hickerson. I want to convey my deepest appreciation to all of those that helped us with the park ministry with, during that particular time. And I got so many compliments uh, how we handled and made sure this space was as safe and as secure as possible. And that's to the wonderful planning and the diligence of our volunteers. So I want to thank you all again so much. I've had so many people that have come to me and said that we need to be the model for trying to keep the church door open and for reopening 
during this pandemic. And that's all because of your hard work and your diligence. So thank you all so very, very much. I also just want to mention that we got Love Notes 2022 that's going to be taking place on Saturday, February the 5th at 7 o'clock p.m. Um, it is uh, under the rubric, A Celebration of Unconditional Love. And our guest facilitators will be Bishop Rudolph McKissick Sr. and his wife Estelle McKissick. Uh, they are in their 90s. They've been married for over 50-something years. And they're going to share with our marriage ministry as far as love notes is concerned. Uh, they blessed me when I was at the Central Church in St. Louis. And I wanted to bring them here because I believe if you can stay together for 50-something plus years, you got something worth saying that we need to hear. Amen. Amen. So with that, uh, we need for you, if you want to uh, participate in Love Notes, please register. It's a virtual event. Register on Eventbrite to receive a gift box on the day of the event. So our marriage ministry under uh, the leadership as far as uh, Shantez and Asia and Quincy and Christy Lee are doing a wonderful job of preparing for that. So please join us with that. Just also want to mention that our new CEO class is uh, started today. And uh, our next class will take place on next Saturday at uh, 10 o'clock with me teaching 945 for those that are inter interested in participating. And let me just say, and you all know that I, I take uh, this pandemic very seriously. And, and I need to stress this um, uh, as, as, as stringently as possible. Now, I want you to hear me online as well as in the house. Now, y'all thought I was playing. But when I say, if your pinky toe hurt, don't come to church. All right? Now, if you don't feel well, if you don't feel well, if, if you got a sore throat, if your head hurt, if you got an ache, don't come to church. Don't come to church. Just assume you may be COVID positive and don't come to church. Go and get tested to find out what's going on, okay? Um, let me say that again. If you feel bad, if anybody feeling bad right now, you can leave. I promise I won't be mad. But if you feel bad, don't come to church. You need to assume that you might be positive with COVID. And what we have to understand is that uh, the Omicron variant is so easily transmissible as far as this environment is concerned. And so that's why we have even gone to the protocol of ensuring that if you have a cloth mask, that underneath that cloth mask, you have a surgical mask or a KN95 or an N95 mask to protect you and others around you. So again, I wanna stress, I'm trying to keep us open as long as either the city of Charlotte the county of Mecklenburg or the state of North Carolina will allow for us to be open. However, if they give us some mandates, we will govern ourselves accordingly and make the necessary shifts. However, if we're going to remain open, this is what we got to do. Let me say that again. This is what we got to do. So uh, please, ma'am, please, sir, if you feel bad on a day of worship, just stay home. Click on the link, join us virtually, and go and get checked out. Because here's the real deal. You don't have to die from COVID. 
Amen. Let me say that again. You don't have to die from COVID. Let me say that one more time for the Holy Ghost. You don't have to die from COVID. All right. Uh, I believe we're going to be having a vaccination clinic next month. Am I correct, Karen? Or do we have, we're working on trying to have one for next one. We're working on trying to have a vaccination clinic for next month. We just had one this month and uh, we're going to try to work on having another one. And we're going to work on trying to become, uh, again, a testing site um, uh, so that people can come and get tested as far as that's concerned. Um, Those are the things I wanted to share with you all tonight. So again, thank you for your patience. I want to, at this time, to um, consecrate our leaders. And of course, we are in the middle of consecration month. And uh, on the first Sunday, we consecrated all our disciples. Uh, Last week, we consecrated tithers. Today, I want to consecrate our leaders. And so uh, if you're watching us online or if you are in the house and you are a leader of a ministry, that means if you are president, vice president, secretary, assistant secretary, secretary of the cheer fund, whatever office you have, you're considered to be a leader. So uh, at this time, I would like for all of our leaders uh, that if you're able and you're in the house, would you stand? If you're watching us virtually, would you stand? All of our leaders, if you're over a ministry or you provide leadership in a ministry, would you please stand? And we have a, a litany that hopefully and prayerfully will pop up as far as the screen is concerned uh, for us to follow. And so we take church leadership seriously. The task of leadership is an arduous one. Nevertheless, being a leader in the church requires more than just worldly know-how. It requires spiritual insight, patience, and godly wisdom. Leaders. As leaders, God calls us to persevere in tough times, love one another through rough times, and uphold the integrity of our position and the ministry of the St. Paul Baptist Church at all times. The obligation of leadership compels each of us to love God and your sisters and brothers, leaders. As leaders, we are called to be servants. The world system of leadership is very different from God's system. Among disciples, the leader is to be the one that serves the best. Leaders. Therefore, we are to be servant leaders. Christ did not come into the world to gain status or political power, but to suffer and die so that we could have eternal life. If we can't identify with Christ's servant attitude, perhaps we need to evaluate our own motives. All. Therefore, we should not be interested in power, but participation. We should not be concerned about domination, but service. 
We should not be fascinated with getting things, but giving love. Therefore, we know that we must be dependent upon God's power and strength to keep our motives in check and to consecrate us for the task ahead. Let us bow our heads for prayer. God, we come right now and as leaders of your church, we pray that you will remind us of this covenant we are making with you as we consecrate ourselves at this moment to serve the people here at the St. Paul Church, to serve this community, this city, this state, this country, this world, and your creation. Empower us, O oh God, uh, with fidelity to your word. Uh, empower us, O oh God, to do like Jesus did. If you want to be great, serve. And as we remember and reminisce about the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., that was his mantra. Greatness is found in service. So help us uh, to reflect what Dr. King did, but even more importantly, help us to do what Jesus would have for us to do. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so very much and consider yourselves set apart for this moment and for this year. Amen. As we move forward, we're going to do uh, another prayer in just a moment. But as we move forward, I want you to keep in mind uh, some people that are dealing with some things. Um, for those that may be unaware, uh, I don't know if you heard about the incident in Fayetteville, North Carolina, with Brother Jason Walker, who was shot by an off-duty deputy sheriff. Um, Brother Jason Walker is the cousin of Reverend D'Angelo Dia. Uh, and that family is devastated. And again, it just shows that for some folks, black lives don't matter. Um, um, and, and the incident and the uh, situation around that particular incident is very questionable. So we want to lift up Reverend Dia and his family and lift up that family as they prepare to um, bury Brother Jason Walker. We also want to lift up the family of Brother Tory Grady, the brother of Sister Elita Wesley. His services will be Monday at uh, Lavinia and Summer's home, in, funeral home in Indianapolis, quiet hours at 11 and service at noon. We also want to continue to lift up the family of Brother Robert Jenkins, the father of Sister Diane Johnson, the family of uh, Reverend Willis Murphy Hickerson, um, the family of Eugene Stitt, the cousin of disciple Sister Evelyn Watson, the family of disciple Evelyn Howard, the sister of disciple Brenda Howard, and Lilia Stevenson. We want to continue to lift up uh, persons who have uh, special needs as far as surgery, hospitalization, or significant illness, Joanne Hackett, Frank Bennett, and we want to continue to lift up Reverend Paul Drummond, uh, our pastor emeritus, and Sister Thomasina Drummond, and I had the blessed and fortunate privilege to go and visit with them in person uh, for the first time in a long time this past week, and uh, let you know, Dr. Drummond, his mind is still sharp. Uh, when I tell you it's still sharp, y'all know how he is. Uh, and, and his mind is still sharp, but his body is feeble. So we want to continue to lift him and Lady Thomasina up in prayer. 
Uh, I'm going to ask that uh, Reverend Brenda Richardson will come, take us to the throne of grace as far as prayer is concerned, and we'll move forward as far as our worship experience. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we humbly bow before you, God. And we come to you now, Lord, with a couple of things on our minds. God, we're praying for some people. So, God, we ask that you would hear our prayer. God, I pray right now that you would remove anything that would keep us from being in your care. Anything that we have done by thought, word, and deed that makes our our sounds and our, our words unheard. God, remove it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we come to you humbly in honor and in prayer for the families that have had a loss, God. We pray for Reverend Gia, God, and his family, God. We pray that they get the answers and the fairness and the, the right answers that they need as they prepare for their cousin. Uh, Mr. Walker, God, we pray for that family. Bind them together. Yes, yes. They've been together for a long, long time. They, I've been told that they have fam, family members that are over 100 years old. So this is a shock to them. So bless them right now, God. I pray for every family that has had a loss this week, God. Bind them together, God. Bring that family closer than close. God, I pray that they will be on, lean on each other for comfort, God. We pray that everyone that comes in their midst will say something that is uplifting to them, God, that will give them the way to know that everything is going to be all right when you say so. And God, we thank you for that. God, we pray that we will continue to be a loving church that reaches out, God. We pray for the Hickerson family, God. We thank you for their their home going, God. And we pray that you would just bless that family in a mighty, mighty way. God, if anyone that I fail to forget, God, I pray that you would just bless that family, God, in a mighty, mighty way. God, come and comfort them in their hour of need. God, I pray for all that are on our sick and shut-in list, God. I pray that they will know that even though they are in the house, God, they are still loved by you. They are loved and they're cared for by us, God. We will continue to bless them in a mighty, mighty way. If it's a call, if it's a card, God, we will continue to let them know that everything is going to be all right. God, I pray that if there's anyone that has an illness, God, I pray that you would give them comfort, God. I pray that everyone that comes around their table, that comes around their bed, will give them only the excellent care that they deserve, God. I pray that you would just bless God. Extend their life, God, if it is your will. God, we thank you now because your word says you can do it, God. So we pray for them in a mighty, mighty way. God, I pray that if there's anything that I failed in asking, that you'll not be failing and giving. God, we pray that you would just continue to bless as only you can. It is in your name that we do pray. Amen. Amen. If you believe that God is answering that prayer, can you give God the praise right now? Amen. 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 It is time to give. It is time to give. Amen. Amen. Nothing wrong with giving God praise for the wonderful opportunity to give. And here at the St. Paul Church, there are several ways in which you can give. Uh, Just want to let you all know that whenever you do give, you are sowing into great ground. Your generosity allows for us to be a blessing in this city, this state, and across this globe. Your generosity uh, allows for us to do 
reparations around the church and make sure that we do more than just keep the lights on. And so I want to thank each and every one of you who is watching us in person as well as in this physical space as far as giving is concerned. There are three ways you can give. One way is by sending your check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Or if you want to drop off your check, money order, or cash, call the church office at 704-334-5309. Make sure someone is here to receive that offering and you can drop it off. Second way you can give is through the app called uh, online called uh, Church Life or ACS. You can give through uh, our online services. And then finally, you can give through the app called Givelify. And if you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app to your smart device, connect it to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give. If you have a physical offering in the house tonight, uh, at the appropriate time, there's a basket on the pew in front of you. You can just drop your physical offering in that basket after the prayer, and our uh, receiving team will collect them uh, as far as tonight's offering is concerned. Amen. So if you have your offering and if you're able, place it in your right hand, lift to the heaven, want to give God what's right, not what's left. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and on this evening, we sow into good ground and we follow your word, oh God, because there's a promise connecting to tithe and giving offerings. And there's a promise connected to just being generous. But we don't do that just out of obedience, but we do it out of love. We have reason to give you thanks, and this is one of the ways that we show it. So, God, if you would, take these gifts of ours, multiply them in a Godful way so that your word, your witness, and your work can continue to go forth through the tribe known as St. Paul Church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those that have physical offerings, if there's a basket in front of you, if you would, place that offering in the basket in front of you. Uh, and for those that are giving in other means, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Amen. At this time, at this time, um, I want to take this opportunity to um, share with you all that we will have a guest preacher tonight. And uh, I'm going to ask that Dr. Elvin Sattler, who is the former pastor of the Steel Creek AME Zion Church. Did I get that right? Amen. And is currently serving as the general secretary for the AME Zion Church. Um, as well as the assistant dean of doctoral studies at United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. He's going to come and introduce our preacher tonight. Uh, but I am blessed to sit on the board with Dr. Sattler and under the leadership of our preacher tonight. And I'm going to ask that uh, Dr. Sattler will come and give him a more apt introduction as far as this time is concerned. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, thank you, Pastor Scott, a friend and brother for now almost 20 years, uh, brother in Christ and also a brother in Omega. And so we are honored and delighted to stand here before you on this evening and to all the members, officers and members of the St. Paul Baptist Church. Uh, I am honored and privileged uh, this evening to present to you uh, the one who will come to preach on this evening. 
I met him a little over five years ago. I've had the privilege of serving at the United Theological Seminary now since 2005, first as a mentor and then as a senior mentor, a faculty mentor, and uh, now as the Associate Dean of Doctoral Studies at United. Uh, when I first met him, I was serving as a senior mentor. Uh, he had been uh, elected by the Board of Trustees to come and to lead our great institution. Uh, not even talking about his success, he came as a very successful pastor, uh, having served for 47 years in pastoral ministry in the United Methodist Church, with his last congregation being the St. Luke United Methodist Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, where he served for 18 years, uh, over 4,000 member congregation. Uh, so he had retired, was enjoying life, uh, and uh, just taking his time. But he came highly recommended to become the president of the United Theological Seminary. He accepted the call, and he came with such an enormous amount of passion for Christ and Christ's people and for the body of Christ and such an enormous amount of faith. So much faith that when he came, United was in debt, had a mortgage of over $4 million. And uh, so Dr. Millard said to the Board of Trustees, well, our 150th celebration year's anniversary will be in October of 2021. So what I would like for us to do is to pay off the debt. Some people looked at him like he was strange or he had lost his mind. Uh, but a man of enormous faith continued to push the seminary forward. And, and donors and contributors came from all across the country to to give to this campaign. And in August of 2021, United became debt-free. And it was because of the tremendous leadership and faith of this gentleman. And so uh, about a little over a year and a half ago, I was given the privilege of being appointed by him as the dean of the doctoral program. The doctoral program of United is uh, a very rich program. In fact, Dr. Scott is a former graduate of the doctoral program and uh, luminaries from around the country and the world have come through uh, the halls of United's doctoral program. And I've been given the honor to serve as his dean. And I'm, I'm more honored not just to serve as the dean, but to serve under the leadership of Dr. Kent Millard. And so he's going to come and tell you his story. He has a tremendous story. And I think you're going to be tremendously blessed when you hear the life and the journey that he has led throughout the years, associations and relationships uh, that he has developed and met throughout the years. So I ask that you not stand in judgment, but that you bow in your tent door that the spirit of God will speak through the man of God to bring us the word of God through the Reverend Dr. Kent Millard, president of United Theological Seminary, Dayton, Ohio. Receive you him. God bless you.
very much for this opportunity to worship with you and for the leadership you give, the music you share in this congregation. I want to thank Dr. Scott for the invitation to be here today. Uh, Dr. Scott's been a friend for over six years. I think you've been on the board about eight years at uh, United Theological Seminary, and we're very grateful for your service there. And uh, my wife and I got to hear Dr. Scott preach his last sermon in St. Louis. Before he came here, we happened to be down there, had a wonderful time, and know that you have been blessed to have him. I don't know if you know how blessed you are to have Dr. Scott. Let's give a thanks to Dr. Scott. He is one of the best around, and you are blessed to have him as your pastoral leader. Give you thanks and praise. I want to thank Dr. Sadler for his kind introduction, and introduce his wife, Stephanie, here. Stephanie, uh is now, I just found out, she's going to be a student at United Theological Seminary, a distant student taking classes online for a master of ministry degree. I'm so glad you could come over for the service today, too. It's quite an honor to be here on Dr. Martin Luther King's actual birthday. You know, the plan was we were going to worship tomorrow, but because of the snow and ice that's coming tomorrow, snow and ice in Charlotte? I didn't bring a winter coat because I was sure there wasn't going to be snow and ice in Charlotte. But I come from a place with lots of snow and ice. I grew up in South Dakota where there are storms and blizzards almost every week. And it always has an effect, Dr. Scott, on our worship. And sometimes you just have to call it off. But I remember a story about a friend who uh, was a pastor and he had a a rural church out on the field, and it was the middle of a blizzard in the winter. And he went out to have services, and only one rancher showed up. And the pastor said, well, only one person showed up. We probably should just call off church. The rancher said, pastor, when I go out to feed my cows, if only one comes up, I feed her. Okay, so pastor got the point, and he got up in the pulpit, and he, he did the whole service. He did the, you know, the 
hymns and the prayers and the sermon and all the responses. He did it all for one person sitting out there. And afterwards, the rancher came up to the pastor and said, Sir, if only one cow comes up, I feed her. But I don't throw the whole load on her. I don't know if you're going to feel like you're getting the whole load here tonight or not. Now to get serious. The text I'd like to share with you is from Matthew chapter 5, beginning with the 43rd verse. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is giving us the teachings, the way of living that emulate his life and what life is about. So these are the teachings you want to take really seriously because he sort of boils it down. And he says something here, one of the hardest teachings that he gives. Matthew 5.43 You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Isn't that what everybody says? But I say to you, says Jesus, Love your enemies. Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Why? So that you may be the children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. Sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect. Be perfect in love, I think he means. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect in love. Love your enemies. Pray for those who are against you. Then later, St. Paul would carry on this theme in his letter to the church at Rome in Romans 12. The first 11 chapters are all the theological background of Christ's salvation, salvation in Christ. But chapter 12 begins the practical. Here's how you live it out. And he takes up the theme that Jesus mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless. Do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Egotistical. Don't be that way. But associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. But take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible for so so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Don't get revenge. But leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you'll keep burning Coals, I think coals of shame and guilt on their heads. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. 
Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Let us pray. O Lord, help us to become masters of ourselves, that we might be the servants of others. Take our minds and think through them. Take our lips and speak through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire. Amen. My life and ministry have been deeply shaped by Dr. Martin Luther King. Let me tell you how. I grew up in South Dakota, went to college there, and then went to seminary at Boston University School of Theology, where Dr. King had done his Ph.D. just a few years before I got there. Then, as you know, he started the Civil Rights Movement. And in 1965, he started a voter registration drive in Selma to ensure that African Americans could register and vote in that community. Now, you may know that uh, through large parts of this country at that time, African American citizens, tax-paying citizens, were not allowed to register and vote. Now, Governor Wallace of Alabama would say, yes, they can register, but they have to pass a literacy test. And the way that test was done was very discriminatory and racist. Because if a white person came up to register and vote, they'd give them a Dick and Jane book, first grade book to read. And they'd be declared literate. If an African-American person came up to take the test, they'd be given something in Japanese or Chinese or German or Greek. And if they couldn't read it, they said, oh, you're not literate. You can't vote. Everyone was aware that was just a way of trying to keep African-American people from voting. That's what Dr. King was protesting. The citizens should all have the right to vote. So you know the story. His plan was to get thousands of uh, signatures on a petition to take them to Governor Wallace to walk from Selma to Montgomery, about 50 miles, and uh, present these petitions to the governor asking them to change the laws, the voting rights, so that African Americans could register and vote. That was the plan. You know what happened on that first Sunday of March of 1965? Dr. King and about 200 marchers came over the Edmund Pettus Bridge, going out of Selma into towards Montgomery. And the Alabama State Patrol was on the other side of the bridge. And the patrol charged them with horses and dogs and whips and batons and guns. And they beat people. You know how Representative John Lewis was one of those who carried for the rest of his life wounds from that day. One person was killed. They were all driven back into Selma. So Dr. King had to regroup. And then he decided he would try it the next week. So the second Sunday in March of that year, another group of people, he invited people from all over the nation to come and march with him. And they got to the top of the bridge and he could see the Alabama State Police at the end of the bridge. And they were opening the way for him to come. 
He thought, this is just a trap. They're going to do the same thing they did last week. I don't want more people hit, hurt or killed. So they knelt down and prayed. It was the, the prayer, prayer march. They didn't march that day. They just prayed and went back into Selma. Well, one of the out-of-town persons who came to march with Dr. King was a Unitarian minister named James Reeb. And after he came back into town, he and a friend went out to a restaurant, a cafe in Selma, and had dinner. When they came out of the cafe, some Klansmen were waiting for them. And they beat them with clubs. James Reeb was hit so hard on the head he had a brain hemorrhage and died a few hours later. And that's when a lot of the out-of-town marchers then left town for fear of their lives. Now, that night, that Sunday night, Dr. King called Boston University School of Theology to Dr. Harold D. Wolfe, who was his major professor. He said, Dr. D. Wolfe, I need more marchers. A lot of the people left. They're afraid of what happened to James Reeb. Can you see if some of the seminary students would come down and march with us here for voting rights? So Dr. E. Wolf came to class the next day, and I was in the class. They said, Dr. King called me last night, and he asked if some of you would volunteer to go to Selma and march for voting rights. Now, you need to know if you go, the seminary assumes no responsibility for your safety. The police will not be on your side to protect you. In fact, they'll be against you. And a man was killed last night in Selma doing this very thing. So if you want to go, if you're willing to go, it has to be because of your faith in Christ. Because you depend completely on God. So I heard that announcement. I prayed about it. And here's what came to me. I thought, how could I ever ask people in a church to take a risk for God? I couldn't do it myself. So I got on a bus with about 22 other students. We went down to Selma to prepare for some marches to the courthouse. And when we got there, the first thing they did was uh, give us nonviolent training. As you know, Dr. King advocated nonviolence. Someone could hit you, but you couldn't hit them back. That's nonviolent resistance. So they had to, we had to practice that. So we would walk around this room in a church, and they would have trainers uh, pushing, shoving, and hitting us, calling us names. And you can't hit back. You just keep marching and singing. Marching and singing. Then they said, now if someone hits you over the head with a club, like they did Reverend Reeb, you go down on the ground, cover your head, and if you see someone on the ground, you jump on top of them. And someone jumps on top of them. So you all will get a few blows, but no one will be killed. Then they said, march in pairs, so you link arms with someone. So if they pull you out of the line, you don't go alone. And then we sang 
we shall overcome. And we prayed. They said, pair up. We're going to march to the courthouse. An African-American woman from Selma came over to me. And she said, Sonny, you look scared. <laughs> I said, ma'am, I am a little scared. And she said, you march with me and you'll be all right. So we linked arms together and we marched. There's about 70 of us. And as we got closer to the courthouse, the streets were lined with white people shouting ugly things at us. Now, they didn't attack us personally because there were television cameras there and they didn't want to be caught. But they were as mean as they could be. And then we went up to the courthouse. We all lined up on the steps of the courthouse. A resident of Selma would uh, go up and try to register and vote. But he would not even be allowed in the courthouse. And then an African-American pastor offered a prayer. He just said, let us pray. And his prayer changed my life. What he prayed was this. He said, God, for all those people out there shouting at us, hateful things, I pray for them. I pray you'll turn their hearts of hate to hearts of love. Their hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. And then he prayed for our safety, and we went back to the church. But that prayer stuck in my mind. I think of standing on the steps of that courthouse and remembering the words of Jesus in Matthew's gospel. What did he say? Love your enemies. Pray for those who are against you. It was clear who was against us. I said, Jesus said it. Dr. King and his lieutenants practiced it. We stood there and prayed for them. I have to tell you, I was not feeling gracious towards them. (laughs) But Jesus said, pray for them. And it changed my life. Because I discovered, when Jesus says, love your enemies, your enemy is not someone who you don't like. Your enemy is someone who doesn't like you. That's the enemy. So you think, who doesn't like me? That's who I got to pray for. And that's the message I want to share that we got to keep doing today, like Dr. King did then, praying for those who don't like us. Because it's that prayer that transforms and changes lives. A few years later, I was invited back to Alabama to speak at a... United Methodist Men's uh, Pastor School. About 250 pastors were there at a retreat center. I told them that story about marching in, in Selma. And after I finished, a big white pastor came up to me. Because I was in Selma at the same time you were. But I was on the other side. He said, I was a highway patrolman. He said, I did awful things to people. I said, what changed you? He said, Jesus Christ. I said, how? He said, well, I got so filled with hatred, I couldn't stand myself. 
And my wife convinced me to go to a Methodist revival meeting one Sunday night. I went to the church. The pastors told us that at the end of the service, anybody who would like to come forward and confess their sins, all the things they've done wrong, they'll be forgiven. God will forgive our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and put a new light and love in our hearts. That Christ will come into your life if you confess your sins. He'll forgive you, but you've got to confess. He died for you, but you've got to confess. And he said, I felt that service was for me. And I went down and I knelt and I just cried. And he said, in a silent prayer, I, I just went through all the terrible things I had done as a highway patrolman. And he said, I just poured it out and I cried. And he said, as I let it out, the love of Christ came in. It just came in. Poured out my sin, Christ's love came in. He said, I just felt I was lightened up inside because of Christ. He said, I made a decision right then. I was going to resign from the Alabama State Highway Patrol. And I was going to become a Methodist minister. And try to undo all the damage I had done in the first part of my life. And that's why he was at that retreat. And when he said that, I remembered the prayer of the African-American pastor on the steps of the courthouse in Kisama. Turn their hearts of hate to hearts of love. Their hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. And I saw in this man's life, it had happened. So don't ever tell me that prayer doesn't make a difference. It changed that man's life and how many more? We don't know. But just praying as Jesus taught us to pray. Pray for those who are against you. And when we can do that, well, we discover that God comes in and makes changes in our lives that would be hard to believe. I want you to think of somebody who doesn't like you. You don't have to raise your hand or anything. But if you can, some of you probably don't have anyone like that. But, but if you have, think of someone who doesn't like you, then think today is the day that I need to pray for that person. Now, maybe praying that their heart of hate will be turned to heart of love. But that prayer makes a difference and changes lives. Dr. King in one of his uh, books, the, the uh, call of Love Your Enemies, here's what he said about loving your enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies because love has within it a redemptive power that eventually transforms individuals. Just keep being friendly to a person who doesn't like you. That's what King wrote. Just be friendly to people who don't like you. What? Just keep loving them and they can't stand it too long. <laughs> I mean, people who are mean can't stand being loved. <laughs> and by the power of your love, they will break down under the load of their hate. There is something about hate that tears down and is destructive. But there's something about love that builds up and is creative. So if you want to change the world, 
love your enemies. Wow. Jesus said it. Dr. King practiced it. And the world is different today because of it. Another place Dr. King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can drive out darkness. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can drive out hate. If someone's hating and you hate back, that just creates more hate. And we're all taken down. If someone's hating and you respond in love, it's different. God uses that act of love to change people's hearts. Can you think of someone who doesn't like you? Well, the person that came to my mind that doesn't like me happened in my first church in South Dakota. I'm just out of seminary. I come to church, and every Sunday after church, a retired farmer named Reuben would come out and tell me what I did wrong that day. I, th I think, I think he, he thought it was his God-given duty to tell, him what, tell me what I'd done wrong. Sometimes he didn't like the hymn I chose, didn't like something in my sermon, the donuts were not good that day. I mean, I don't care what it was. Every day, he came out with some complaint to me about the church. The worst one was, I was preaching at a time when they brought the, a new translation of the Bible called the uh, Good News for Modern Man. I thought, well, I'll read from a new translation. And it was in a paperback book. So I read the Bible story from a new translation. Reuben came out. And he said, you tried to read the Bible from a paperback book? Don't they teach you anything in seminary? He was furious. Now, I have to confess, I was getting a little put out with Reuben. I, I was a little resistant. I tried to walk the other way when he came my way. But then God got to me. I was praying one day, and, and I was trying to pray to God, and Reuben's face kept showing up. Between me and God. I, I couldn't get to God because Reuben was there. So, okay, I got to pray for Reuben. I got to pray for this man. Love your enemies. Pray for those who are against you. So I start praying for, for Reuben. And then the Lord told me, you need to go see Reuben. So I went over to his house. I said, Reuben, I don't really know much about you because I'm fairly new here. Would you tell me about your family and about your work? And Reuben started crying. He said, my wife died two years ago before you came. He said, I am so mad at God. Why did he take her? She was good, kind, faithful, generous. So I'm, I'm a crotchety old man. Why did he take me? Why did he take her? He was just furious with God for taking his wife. I said, Reuben, I know how much it hurts. But I want you to know that your wife is safe in the hands of God. She is okay. She is at peace. And she would want you to have peace here on earth.
I know there's one thing that God is with us right now. And God wants to help you through this hard time. God suffers with you. God knows how much you hurt. God is here. Can we just pray that you might feel the presence of God carrying you through this terrible time? So I offered a prayer, thanking God for her life and what she meant to him and the family, thanking God for her eternal life, and thanking God that God was with us in this very moment to lead us through this terrible time. And we prayed the Lord's Prayer together, and I left. Next Sunday, Reuben came out of church with a smile on his face and shook hands and said, Pastor, good sermon, and walked on. I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and then he called me later that week, and he said, I'm kind of a handy man. I'm retired. He said, do you ever have anything around the church that needs doing, like fixing? I said, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Windows need to be replaced, doors, painting of classrooms. He said, well, I'd like to come over and help you out. So he came over one day a week, and he would work around the church, any errands that I had for him, and then we'd go to lunch together. He became my best friend. <laughs> the one that I disliked the most became my best friend in the church. Can prayer change things? Of course it can. That's why Jesus says, pray for your enemies. It will change things. An enemy can become a friend. You pray for your enemy long enough, they're not an enemy anymore. You have a relationship and it changes things. That's a kind of lesson Dr. King practiced on the broad scale with regard to segregation and all that. But, but he wanted all of his people to practice it on the small scale. Just do it where you are. Think of who might need your prayers. And when someone comes up against you, just think, oh, God's given me this. This is someone I need to pray for. It'll change you and it'll change them. Because God's at work through prayers like that. Well, that was my first lesson from Dr. King. It was just about praying for your enemies and those who are against us. And that was in March of 1965. The next month, in April of 1965, Dr. King came to Boston to lead an open housing march. Now, as you know, uh, you remember there were rules, laws in certain communities where African Americans could not live in certain neighborhoods. And so Dr. King was there marching against that kind of process. And the NAACP was sponsoring his march, and so they called those of us who had been to Selma to come be his bodyguards. And so they called us, would you be a bodyguard for Dr. King? I said, well, sure. So I was his bodyguard for one day. But my assignment was this. <clears throat> he was going to march through Roxbury and then wind up at the Boston Commons to speak at the pagoda there. So they said, you go down to the Boston Commons early and make sure there are no bombs there. I'm a second-year seminary student from South Dakota. What do I know about bombs? So I look around. 
I don't know what a bomb looks like. I don't know what I'd do if I found one. But fortunately, some real police officers came and checked it out, and it was okay. And so then the crowd started to arrive, and then Dr. King came up on the stage, on the, on the platform. And I was there, and he came over, and we shook hands. And I introduced myself and said, I'm going to Boston University. I had marched in Selma last month, and uh, he thanked me for that. And that I was taking classes under Dr. Wolf like he did. And then he spent about 10 minutes just talking to me. Asked me how I like seminary, about my family. I thought, he just got the Nobel Peace Prize last year. There are 3,000 people waiting for him to speak. And he's talking to this insignificant second-year seminary student from South Dakota. I understood I wasn't the only one. When he talked to someone, he was with you. He just took time for you. Thought, saw every person as important. But then at the end of our conversation, he asked me this question, which I've lived with all my life. He said, okay, Mr. Millard, what are you going to do for civil rights in your ministry? It's a way of asking, what are you going to do to be inclusive of other people, regardless of race, color, creed, national origin? How are you going to be inclusive of other people in your ministry? I think I said something like, everything I can. <laughs> what do you say to Dr. King when he asks you that? But the question has always lived with me. How can I be inclusive, making sure everybody knows they're cherished and loved by God? No matter what their race or background it is, irrelevant. They're a child of God. So I began to live with that question, and then answers came along. I returned to South Dakota to serve as a pastor. And uh, we had uh, our son the regular way. And then we wanted a little girl. <laughs> and so we decided we'd like to adopt. Because if you adopt, you can be sure you get a girl. Because <laughs> you make a request. The other way, you don't know. <laughs> and so... Um, we got approved by Lutheran Social Services in South Dakota to adopt and uh, a little girl. So I get a call one day. Say a little girl has been born in Iowa with a white mother and an African-American father. And she's putting the baby up for adoption. Would you like to come and look at her and see if she's what you want? I said, what? I want to look at her to see if she's what I want? I said, well, take her. You know, when a baby comes out the other way, you can't look at him and say, I don't want this one, we'll put it back. You can't do that. So I said, of course we'll take her. And so we drove down to Iowa and we adopted her, one week old, and we named her Coretta after Coretta Scott King. And we became an interracial family. And I can't tell you how that opened our eyes to discrimination, segregation, and difference. I think most white families, we, we kind of understand it, but not really. Until you have a member of your family that's discriminated against. You don't know it. One day, when Coretta was in the fourth grade, <clears throat> 
She came home from school crying. I said, what happened? A little boy called me ugly names on the playground. Hurt my feelings. She came home crying. Well, I was furious. No one was going to talk to my daughter like that. So I was going over to talk to him and the teacher and the parents. I was going to fix this problem. My wife said, you should calm down. <laughs> You're a little bit too hot to be helpful. Won't you wait till tomorrow? So the next morning, um, I have a meditation I do every day. But I put my hands out in front of me like this. I take everything out of my mind that's my concern and put it in my hands. And turn my hands over and surrender it to God. Whatever's there, I just let it go into the hands of God. Trust God. Well, Coretta's on my mind. So I take her out of my hands, out of my mind, put her in my hands. And then I turn my hands over and it's hard to let her go. I say, God, this is my daughter. This is real life. This is a mean boy on the playground. Can you handle things like that? That's what I'm thinking. And then a voice almost audible says, I love her more than you do. I love her more than you do. Okay, God, I'll trust you. I'll trust you. So, Kurt and I talked before she went to school. And I said, now, when someone calls you names, they have a problem. It's not your problem. You are the beautiful way God made you. Just remember that. I prayed that God would be with her during that day and help her get through it. But she came home that afternoon, happy as a lark. I said, how are things at school? Fine. Did that boy call you names on the playground? Yes. What would you do about it? She said, I got my girlfriends together and we chased him. Fourth grade boys don't want to be chased by a group of fourth grade girls. She said, he doesn't call me names anymore. I said, thank you, Jesus. Because see, God and Creta worked this out. She had her own resources. I couldn't always be there to protect her from racist remarks. I couldn't do that. But God gave her the strength to be able to stand up and do it herself. And find her own resources, her own friends. All these other little white girls didn't like it either. I discovered God really knows best. <laughs> Even when we think we know what needs to be done, surrender it to God. Let God do what God wants to do with it. And you'll discover God does so much better than we could ever have thought or imagined. Credit has grown up now. She's a school social worker in Indianapolis at an inner city school working with kids of all different racial backgrounds and trying to help kids find constructive ways to deal with their anger and their pain. And, uh, and she has three children and three stepchildren. So I have six African-American young adult grandkids whom I love dearly, and who, and, and one great-grandson. 
And I just feel blessed to be a part of this family. And, uh, oh, it's just wonderful. I was trying to think what to do with them for uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I just decided I'd take them all to a Colts game. I said, this is your Christmas present. <laughs> and then to a Pacers game. When I think Charlotte beat us that night. I'm not sure, but anyway. Uh, but it's just been a blessing uh, that God has brought into our lives by having an interracial family. Because you understand far better than anything you read or people tell you. But this phrase, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to be inclusive? Not what are you going to talk about? Or what good speech are you going to give about something? What action are you going to take? And that's the question I want to leave with all of us. What action are we taking to be inclusive? To help people who feel left out. If you're a student in school, what are you doing to help that student who's being bullied or left out because they're different? If you have a job, what are you doing to help the people at work all feel included? There's always someone there that people kind of put down and gossip about. If you're a part of this church, can you think of someone who doesn't feel fully accepted here? What are you going to do to help that person feel fully accepted in this congregation of Christ? See, all of us can think of things we can do that to be more inclusive and more accepting of those who feel left out. In Romans, Paul takes up the theme of Jesus. And he puts it so clearly. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse them. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not avenge yourselves. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Do good to your enemies. Now that's, that's counterintuitive. It's not what we would normally do. When someone hurts us, we want to hurt them back. When someone's hurt us, we don't think about how can I bless them? How can I get even? But Jesus and Paul make it so clear of what our commandment is. Last Monday, Bishop Mike Lowry was uh, installed as the bishop in residence at United Theological Seminary. He had just retired from from the Fort Worth uh, area of the United Methodist Church. And he told this story. He said when he was in college at Earlham College in Richmond, Indiana, which is a Quaker school, he and some friends went down to the police station in Richmond and had a little protest. It's about 20 of them, he said. It was a cold, cold winter day. And they were protesting the fact that there are no African-Americans on the police force in Richmond, Indiana. That was their protest. And they had some signs and they were making statements. And then across the street, a counter-protest sprung up. Some of the KKK folks came and they started shouting and belittling those who were protesting for African-Americans on the police force. And the bishop said the men were shouting back and forth at each other. They got... 
arguing across the street. Now, there were some college women there as well, African-American and Caucasian. And these college women thought ahead and brought thermoses of hot chocolate because <laughs> it was so cold that people might need some hot chocolate. And as they're watching these men on both sides of the street argue back and forth, they make a decision. They decide to go across the street and offer hot chocolate to the counter protesters. And when they did that, it changed everything. Can you imagine a young African-American female student offering a cup of cocoa to a person protesting against having police, black police prison on the force? They all took it. <laughs> it was cold. And they drank it. And then the desire to protest just went away. They, they left. You see what an act of kindness does? If your enemy is thirsty, Paul says, for hot chocolate, <laughs> give him something to drink. Do you see how kindness, love, forgiveness... Jesus taught that because it changes the world. And our world needs changing, folks. <laughs> we live in a very divided world. We all have enemies on the other side politically and on all kinds of sides. I just find myself praying for so many people because we just need to have that brought together. To find ways to bless those who are against us. So I'd like to spend a moment here at the end of this message for you just to think about somebody who doesn't like you. <laughs> Someone who's done something mean to you. I want you just, in a moment of silence, just think about that person and pray for them. You may pray, God, turn their heart of hate to a heart of love. Or God, be with them in whatever they're going through. But just pray for them now. And just let God do the heavy lifting. Let us pray in silence. Oh God, we thank you for sending Jesus Christ into this world to live and die and rise again for us and for our redemption and forgiveness of sins. We thank you for the wisdom that came through him that's counterintuitive to love our enemies and pray for those who are against us. To not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Oh, God, in these moments, we recommit ourselves to Christ and his teaching and his way of being in the world. And we thank you, oh, God, for Dr. King and all those who gave their lives in the struggle for equal rights in this country.
We stand in awe at their sacrifice. We know that if they were here today, they would ask the same question. What are you doing to be inclusive? How do we carry on their legacy? Not just honor it in the past, but honor it in the present by allowing that legacy to influence our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for every person here. Each one of us is here for a reason because you sent us here so that we might become closer to you, more like you, more loving, more forgiving, more surrendered, more committed, more passionate for you and your work in this world. We pray your blessing on St. Paul Baptist Church. Oh God, you have raised this church up to be a great congregation with tremendous influence in this community and beyond. And thank you for its leadership and for its pastor who you are using to make this a better world for all people. We ask, oh God, that you'd bring the pandemic to an end soon so that people can live more freely. We pray for all those who are suffering and all those who have lost loved ones to the pandemic. We ask, oh God, that you would walk close to us during these difficult days, knowing that without you, we are lost. But with you, all things are possible. Hear this our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Can we give God praise for this powerful pastoral and prophetic word? Oh, I think we could do a whole lot better than that. Come on. How many of y'all really blessed by that? If you were blessed, just can you stand on your feet and just give God praise for Dr. Kent Millard, president of United Theological Seminary. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Millard, for uh, your prophetic witness, for being so pastoral and for the challenge. And, and I hope and pray that we will leave this moment of worship uh, and take up that charge um, uh, because the Holy Spirit will do things that are contrary to our human nature. And that's the only way you can really love somebody who hates you. It takes the spirit. So thank you, Dr. Millard, again. Uh, for uh, your powerful proclamation. Um, Dr. Millard, uh, and you just wax so eloquently, um, is 80 years old. He doesn't look it. Uh, 80 years old, leading a seminary, doing extraordinary work, which means that... Um, God can use you if you make yourself available. And um, United Theological is better uh, because we hired him. And tonight, I don't know about you, St. Paul, but I'm better because I've heard him. Amen. I want to, at this time, we're getting ready to leave, but I want to take this opportunity for those that are in the house as well as those that are watching us online to extend an invitation to have a relationship with Jesus. And here's the thing, that when you are outside of that relationship, you are an enemy of God. 
And God wants to be reconciled to you. And I know we live in a pluralistic society, but I still believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That no man, woman, boy, or girl can come to God, our creator, except through Christ. And I want to extend that opportunity to anyone that is in person or well as watching us online. If you are watching us online on Facebook, on our website, I want to lead you in a prayer of new life, a prayer of a brand new start. If you're in the house and want to do that same and that. And I want us to all repeat this prayer because for those of us who made this prayer our covenant some time ago in our past, it's a reminder of that covenant. But if you pray this prayer today, I'm going to ask you to make a decision on this prayer so you can carry out even more fully what Dr. Millard has shared. Let's bow our heads and repeat after me. God, I thank you for Jesus Christ who shows us the way. And I thank you for Martin Luther King Jr. God, tonight, I want a relationship with you. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. And I believe one day he's coming back. But until then, send your Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me, and help me become the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hear me and hear me well. If you prayed that prayer tonight, and you mean it in your head, in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, if you really meant that prayer, salvation is yours. You, you don't get saved by your works. You don't get saved by how much money you give. You don't get saved by how often you come to church. You are saved by grace based upon your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you prayed that prayer, and if you're watching us on Facebook, on our website, you prayed that prayer, you want a relationship with God by putting your faith in Christ, I want you to type in salvation. Type in salvation. If you're watching us on YouTube or listen to us on telephone, if you would, email us at connect at spbcnc.org or call us at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and your phone number and I guarantee by 5 o'clock on Monday, if we have power, someone will contact you. If you're in the house and you in, in the house and you prayed that prayer and you desire a relationship with God, part of what I would love for you to do, if you're here right now and you said, listen, I, I want to have this relationship, if that's you. Would you just do me this favor and hold up your hand right now? If that's you, just hold up your hand. 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 If you got your hand up, if you want that relationship, would you come on down? Would you come on down? Would you come on down? St. Paul, come on, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Now, just for social distance, I'm going to ask you to hold it right there. Come on, come on close. Come on close. Just hold it right there just for a moment. Somebody's going to come. We're going to help you to understand the decision that you're making. Here's what else I want you to do. And I think that God deserves a better praise than what we just gave him for this brother who has made this decision.
if you're saying to yourself, Pastor, listen, I already know who Jesus Christ is. It's my Lord and Savior, but I don't have a church home and I'm bouncing around virtual space, physical space. If you would love to make St. Paul your home, I would love to be your pastor. These men and women would love to be your brothers and sisters in this virtual digital space. And so right now, if you want to join based upon Christian experience or under watch care, you can do that. If you're watching us on Facebook or on our website, type connect. When our digital minister is going to reach out to you, let you know what the next steps are. And you can join us. If you're listening to us on YouTube or on the telephone, email us at connect at spbcnc.org or call the church office at 704-334-5309. Again, leave your name and a phone number. Somebody's going to contact you at least by 5 o'clock on Monday to let you know. If you're in the house and you're saying, listen, Pastor, I came on a Saturday night. I don't have a church home and I would love to make St. Paul my tribe. We would love to have you. If that's you, would you do me a favor and would you just hold up your hand? You don't have a church home. You've been bouncing around. You're not connected to a church. Would you hold up your hand? Hold up your hand. I just want you to hold up your hand right now. If that's you, hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Amen. 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 Do me one favor. Can you give God praise? My brother, I'm going to come give you the elbow bump. Listen, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to follow this young lady. Did you leave anything in the seat or did you need to get? All right. They're going to help you to understand what your next steps are. Now, as you go out of here, there's football going on tonight. Did you know that? All right. Now, we're going to cheer for you louder than they're cheering at the game as you go out. All right. And we're going to thank God for you. Come on. Let's celebrate. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm glad to be in church on a Saturday night just for that life to come and give himself to Christ. Go ahead and let's stand. We're getting ready to get out of here. I want to thank our ushers. I want to thank our media. I want to thank our first impression. I want to thank our music ministry, our musicians. Uh, Sister Raquel Scott for filling in for our minister of music, Scott Gibson. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Sadler and Sister Sadler for sharing with us. Thank you to our staff. And thank you, Dr. Kent Millard, for this powerful preaching that you have given us on this evening. All heads bowed. We're getting ready to get out of here. God, we thank you. And as we prepare to leave from this place and this space, but never your presence, power, nor provision. Keep us in your sovereign care, oh God. Over the next several hours next couple of days uh, the weather forecasters are calling for bad weather but God we know you are a keeper so Lord keep us through this particular ordeal that we're about to face and Lord put it within our hearts to check up on our fellow brothers and sisters to make sure they're good safe and sound now God as we leave from this place Let us make it to our destination. And when we get there, let us find safety and security, tranquility and peace. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And in his name we claim it done. Let every heart that truly believes say amen. Please be seated and let the ushers uh, seat you, uh, take you out. Uh, If you could, uh, I know you probably would like to meet our preacher, so go ahead and come on back. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the study.